All right, everybody, welcome to this month's uh, version of the Grill Podcast. I'm your host, John King. I'm here in studio with the team, and uh, it's it's January 30th. Today, we're going to be talking about, you know, as, as usual, a little bit of a business update from what the input markets look like and kind of what I'm seeing coming down the pipe as we look out to even fall for 25 crap. Uh, fall of 24 when we're application. And then also we're going to have Dan, as usual, on here to really discuss um, stress mitigation, what he's seeing for the outlook for 24 planning, um, talk a little bit about our seed treatment lineup, and then as well as looking at the importance of fertility as we as we think to spring. So with that, you know, we're going to break right into the business planning session or what I would say the business update. And, and the biggest thing I have to, to sit here and talk about really today is one, for everybody listening, you know, it's again, it's January 30th. Overall, corn and soybean markets not healthy. We finally get to see a green number, it looks like here today after the overnights were down. But, you know, we've been battling this market pretty hard. And it's been, I would say, it's definitely turned buyers off at our level of retail. Um, when we look at overall prepay year over year, we're not really seeing any notable change. We're probably down a little bit with prepay dollars on the book. So that just tells me that cash situations are a little bit tighter than what they were a year ago. Um, which is also easy to tell within, you know, just looking at overall bushels on on storage here at the elevator and, and guys that are still waiting for opportunities to make sales. You know, with with looking at that as well, we had a meeting last week with with some growers down here and we talked about opportunities to to both sell grain and, and buy inputs when we looked at 25 input outlook. And I kind of gave a really big picture idea of what it looks like, call it this past year. So if you were to put inputs on the fall of 23, you know, you were looking, say you were doing a 224 units of nitrogen, 80 units of phosphorus, 60 units of potassium, and 20 units of sulfur. You know, you'd have been looking at a hundred and call it $150 an acre. You know, and at, at the been last week, you know, you've been 478 for DS24 futures. You know, you've been looking right at 31 bushel per acre to cover that cost. You know, the best ratio we would have saw from summer of 23 in order to to cover that $150 an acre was right around 28 bushels per acre. So when I look out to, you know, the fall of 24 for 25 inputs, you know, I don't see a whole lot of change from that overall. Again, this is looking at DS25 at 483. I don't see a whole lot of change in overall bushels per acre in order to cover the same, you know, roughly the same cost. We're going to be looking at from the high to low side, probably 140 to 150 bucks an acre to put fertilizer on that crop next fall. Um, so again, right around that 29 bushel per acre. Don't know where that rates overall to history, but you know, for a lot of people that were buying inputs and could have been selling grain this summer, you know, everything was feeling pretty good about 28 bushel per acre. So when looking at the low side opportunity for fall of 24, around 29 bushel of the acre um, to cover, you know, again, a, a 224 for nitrogen, 80 phosphorus, 60K and 20 sulfur. You know, I think there's a lot of good opportunities to be looking at. I think there's some things that maybe, you know, if you're worried about the overall corn soybean markets, you know, make sure you're dealing with your, your grain marketing advisor on strategies to protect yourself and guard risk out to even, you know, because at the, at the end of the day, all the inputs you got in the ground right now or that you've got prepaid, you know, that's going to be going, it's your 24 crop, right? So the next purchases that you're going to be making, even though it seems like a long way away, but you know, in the next seven months, when we have uh, summer fertilizer prices, that'll be against that 20, these 25 contract. And, you know, we're still, you know, there's going to be opportunities probably to sell that at, up at five bucks. And overall, you know, from an input standpoint, when you look out to fall of 24, 
I just don't see where we're going to have any big time upside on a price per acre or cost per acre to put that crop in. I think there's some opportunity for some downside, but you know, that, that window year over year is 10 to 15 bucks. Okay. It's not massive. We're not looking at, you know, a hundred bucks an acre of, to put in from fertility standpoint, like we saw back in the low, low timeframe. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing people have to be mindful of is most of the time fertilizer affordability is more influenced by high grain prices, you know, meaning that the grain price at that time was a really good opportunity to sell versus it was a really good time to buy fertilizer. So for guys listening to this, uh, I still think it's a good opportunity to kind of be keeping an eye on DS 25. Again, when you look at, you don't have to sell 30 bushel of the acre, right? You can sell 10 to 15, you know, up around some targets around five bucks that really covers some of that demand because, you know, really when you look at that cost per acre, that's where it's going to roughly come in at is 140 to $155 an acre on the high side, probably maybe with opportunity to be $135 an acre to do uh, P and K. So those are things that I would say to be just to be mindful of, to be paying attention at uh, and keep an eye on. Overall, when we look at the spring market, you know, the market here uh, right out in front of us, I would say that's pretty ho-hum. You know, there's not a lot of upside. There's not a lot of downside. The only thing I would say is phosphates remain very tight. It's hard to get a hold of them. That situation is not getting better for overall supply, even with some of the anti-dumping duties that have been lowered. You know, UAM prices are still very affordable today versus historicals. Prices are, are, are very flat, it seems like, on that product. Not a lot of downside as we look into pre-plant. You know, I think there's going to be some opportunities maybe from a side dress standpoint to buy some some affordable type uh, values. When we look at ammonia, you know, ammonia is something that globally is under a ton of pressure right now. There's a lot of, there's some new capacity coming online and there's just a lot of ammonia out there in the world market right now. To say that's really drastically going to affect us for the spring market, the stuff that's going to still hit the ground here in the next, you know, 60 days, 70 days. I can't see mar a bunch of change there and overall uh, opportunity on that. What I really see a big opportunity for, again, is when we're looking at uh, 25 crop inputs. Um, as we get to the summer and, and really looking at prepay for next fall, there's going to be some very good opportunities, to, again, to lock in very affordable anhydrous prices. Barring a complete catastrophe globally, there's going to be some opportunities to really lock in, um, I would say, similar to maybe even slightly lower ammonia prices than what we saw a year ago. So, you know, those are some things, again, with even with the grain markets looking maybe not so fun right now, really good opportunities for farmers, you know, when we look outside of this year even to to manage cost. You know, and roughly, again, I'm going to keep this segment a little bit shorter because we're going to talk, get in pretty depth, uh, you know, with Dan here when he comes on. You know, when I look at the chemical market right now, it definitely feels like guys are not, uh, it's not that not, they're not willing to spend money on what they know they're going to use. I think I think cash is just a little tight right now. So overall, we're not seeing as much, uh, I would call it inventory turn on chemical purchases right now. We know that there's a lot of people out there that still have to buy product, but it's just not walking through the door willing to lock that in. You know, for if, if you haven't purchased chemical yet, but you're, you know, I think the biggest thing on that is just make sure you continue to work with your local supplier, work with us here at Landis, call the Growth Solutions Center. Just make sure that you're ha you're putting a plan together is the biggest thing because you know waiting to the last moment you may not get what you want you may not be not may not be positioned correctly um, those are things that I would be looking at today just to make sure that you're managing that correctly as as we get to season there's still some I mean chemical prices are are drastically lower than what they've been the last two years 
So from a cost saving standpoint, there's a really good opportunity to really cut some costs there. Just be mindful of, you know, what your options are for sure as you continue to look at those plans. So, uh, and finally, you know, the biggest thing I'd say too is we still have our promotion going on with the Acre Edge of Your Seat Sweepstakes. Uh, go to acreedge.com uh, to check that out. You know, that's that's really on purchases of our proprietary brand Acre Edge products. For me, again, the the number one thing I'd be looking at if I was a farmer uh, looking to be to enroll in that program is Crop Lift. Uh, Crop Lift is our proprietary product with our Crop Power Biostimulant and Amino Acid Complex. It's a great product on both corn and soybeans at Inferro. Uh, V5, and then as well as at Tassel. Um, but make sure you go out there and check our acreedge.com. Look at the product lineups that we have and then see if that fits into you to, be, to enroll in that uh, Acre Edge sweepstakes. Again, it's uh, it's no purchase necessary, so anybody can enroll. Um, but make sure that you look at that as an opportunity, especially if you're going to be doing business with Landis. You know you're going to be purchasing these products. You might as well enroll yourself for the rewards. So uh, with that, we're going to we're gonna take a quick pause and we're going to bring Dan on. And uh, again, if you have any questions regarding what we're talking about from the market standpoint, feel free to call us at 515-800-GROW, ask for one of our representatives, or uh, feel free to ask for contact to get in to talk to my, myself as well. We're going to move on to everybody's favorite section of the podcast when we get we bring in old Dan in here to really talk about what, you know, what we're seeing with everything that we're looking at in the market right now from agronomic side. So Dan, welcome to the podcast as usual. It's great to have you. you um, you know, what's on your mind this month? What have you been thinking about? We've had some really, I'd say some pretty impactful grower meetings. We had one last weekend here in Des Moines with some guys and turned out to be a great meeting, you know, coming from that, you know, I think the biggest thing that we took out of that is there's always a good opportunity to learn about things. And that's us and in others. Um, I, my uncle came in and uh, he told me that his, he had his weeds under control. He didn't need to hear about the weed portion from Iowa State. And lo and behold, when he left, his favorite part was listening to Megan Anderson talk about wheat. So, I mean, it's always funny how it works out, but uh, I thought it was a it was a good roundup. And uh, obviously, it's going to be a good conversation for what we're going to talk about today. Well, John, th that's what makes agronomy really fun. Uh, when I think of uh, all these years when you're out there and you go into a season thinking one thing, and all of a sudden something else pops up, like two years ago, a tar spot yep. went everywhere. Last year at Soybean Cyst Nematode. With that meeting that we had, it really made me think a lot about 2024. What's it going to be like? Is it going to be stressful? I mean, we've had four years of stress. The guys have talked about, you know, what's happened with the corn and soybean yields. And I thought, let's talk about, is it really possible to stress-proof corn and soybeans coming up? And obviously, if it doesn't rain, if it's 100 degrees for periods of 10 days at a time, that's going to take a toll. But I do think that there are some things we can do that will get our corn and soybeans much better uh, prepared and able to fight off uh, some of the stress that we could get. Well, I think the the funny thing is, you know, we're sitting here talking prior to coming in, you know, starting the podcast today. And, you know, 65% of your yield loss is really created from abiotic stress, yep. stress from the environment. And that might be the soil environment the disease environment, insect environment, whatever it may be, right? You know, just purely from the environment. And every time you present, or a lot of times you present, you always talk about Liebig's law, right? You know, your your law of diminishing returns, things like that. And when I look at a lot of the things that we keep preaching, it's all about patching that board and then trying to keep as much water in the bucket. And a lot of what we talked about with the guys last week was, was a hula, right? 600 and some right. bushel corn. And the other guy with 200 bushel beans, right? And, you know, really taking that mentality of, 
obviously you're not you're not gonna have that goal on every acre but what are those what are what are the big time guys doing in order to manage stress and i think we had an awesome meeting really talking about what those what those things that we see as as big stressors out there this past year that didn't cure themselves over the winter by the way and it's not like we're gonna no. walk we're not walking into 24 planning season with a better stress environment without doing anything you know how we're we gonna plan for it well when you think about what those guys do so the yield potential is way higher than yeah. our averages that uh, we get with uh, USDA and and what the last 30, 40 years yep. of our yields have tracked upward. But when you look at what those guys got and then what the average is, so last year's average, 177 bushels corn nationally and Hula gets 600. So what is our individual yield goal? Our individual yield goal is what we'd want to get. We plan for 240, 250, 260. And then we get a number that's less than that. That difference is the gap, the right. yield gap. So what we're talking about today are some factors that will help us bridge that gap. And I think the first one, let's talk soybeans, because we know what happened to soybeans last year. Man, you have got to go with a premium seed treatment. Yep. How do we get better yields with soybeans? We're planting it earlier. It's all about nodes, how many nodes we're getting on that plant. I remember in the early days, and if we got our soybeans planted by the end of May, that was great. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I really give a little bit of credit, John, to your home state of Illinois, because right. they started working on this five, six years ago. One of the first things they did was they said, plant early, and guys did, and they had these yield contests, and individuals over there were getting 80, 90, 100 bushels an acre, and over here in Iowa, I mean, I don't want to make us feel bad, but we were getting 50, 60, maybe sometimes we'd get up to 70. I think the difference is they planted early and they used really good seed treatments. And we've got a premium seed treatment through our Acre Edge program this year that takes care of, you know, the multiple fungicides for those fusariums that come in. We've got SDS uh, controlled uh, uh, with that as a part of the package. And then we've got Crop Power, which is a product we've been talking about, talking yep. about a biostimulant that is really, really good in multiple ways. One of the things it does is it lowers temperature in that canopy. So it helps us in those heat stress of keeping that respiration level down. It does a lot of different things uh, to help that plant stimulates better root development. All of these things would be, to me, the first stage of protection and even when you plant early in April, what is the concern? What if it gets cold? Yeah, emergence. Well, one of the, uh, in the research of this product, one of the things that it did is it helped in those cold with temperatures. cold germ, yeah. Fantastic product. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about it too is what we've done with the seed, the seed treatment uh, lineup is, you know, obviously we got our basic blocking and tackling, right? Our fungicide and insecticides, you know, but really what we've gone to it is especially with the, the premium package. So Seed Enhance Plus is primarily just fungicide insecticide with the biostimulant. When you look at our Enhanced Premium, it's fungicide insecticide. It's our biostimulant, it's Saltro. And then it's a seed finisher. And the best thing about that seed finisher is that, man, it makes those beans look like marbles. Um, and, you know, from a standpoint of getting it through the planter efficiently, it's got a little bit of micronutrient package in it. Uh, it's truly going to be a, a pretty good, robust opportunity to, to get beans up and out of the ground. When you look at the overall, in my opinion, the, the thing that makes me most excited about what we've done with the Acre Edge lineup is seed treatment is going to continue to be something that's going to be evolved on. And I look at a company like Pivot Bio, right? You know, they took their 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 technology from the standpoint of being in furrow um, 
and really found out that that needs to go on the seed. Right. Um, you know, I think there's going to be continued uh, effort from manufacturers, biological companies, biostimulant companies to figure out a way. Because what's what's the plant do with, uh, what's it living off of early in the in their germination? It's just living off the cotyledon. It's li- exactly. So by putting that on the seed as it's germinating, all that essential micronutrients or essential stuff that it needs to get over any early stresses to get out of the ground is right there. The other thing that I really like about the biostimulant, you know, on top of what it does for respiration in the canopy is the, one of the biggest things that it's been tested to overcome is salt stress, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So you you think about salt stress in whether you're doing infro uh, starter or just in general chloride stress early on in the growth period, it's going to flush salts from that crop system and it's going to help uptake with potassium. So early water uptake and, and early growth. I mean, those are things that, again, when, and this is for everybody listening, and we've talked a lot about the biological market. Again, there's so many variations of what people are bringing to market, what people are looking at. You have to know what you're looking for in a product that you want to bring to customers. And, you know, the whole journey for, through our acre edge development and what we've tried to do, um, you know, for me, the exciting part is, you know, this is really spring one, right? This is year one of getting to enact this. And we've really tested a lot of this stuff that we are putting into action now. And now we get to enjoy the fruits of our labor because the customers are excited about what we have. And, you know, from a performance standpoint, we know what's going to work because we've we've been along the whole journey of hand picking it so well, we saw the results that we had last year and yeah and there's research documents um that of people that have been looking at the biostimulant market you know for the last 10 to 15 years so in a way this is a new proprietary product for us but this research has been ongoing we're just looking at a newer product that's better right than some of the initial uh, products and that's the way business that's that's the way any product development occurs you come with something just think of the first computers we had how much memory he had, and how well they worked, and I'll think today what we have. Uh, it's it's incredible once you get the technology developed, how it improves. You know, going to the next point here when we're looking at stress management is fertility. Yep. We always have to start with fertility, and having a complete soil test is a good way to do that. So you, you measure not only your potassium, phosphorus, uh, those, those macronutrients, but why the micronutrients are really important. And I keep coming up with things like sulfur, where where an individual last year had everything right, but his sulfur was low. And that was the lowest stave in that Liebig's Law yep. barrel, that example. And that corn only went about 145. Um, in, in other words, where it could have gone 50, 60 bushels more, but it was because of that one limiting nutrient. And you, you think about you know, there's a lot of fluid going around, um, a lot of different things going around that they talk about every year. If we have our immune system really up to the best that we can, making sure that we, we have all the vitamins and everything that a human being needs, you got to think about that way right. for the plants as well. So fertility is really critical. What I like, uh, John, also when I'm thinking about acreage is we have some of these foliar uh, products that we can come in. If we see something that there's a symptom of the plant being a little bit off or it's showing some kind of a deficiency, we have the ability to come in uh, and to help. So if we start with that good foundation of products, then we still have the ability uh, to come in and that will help us also avoid some of these stressful conditions that 
that can occur. Well, I think the biggest thing too around fertility is we keep finding instances where potassium, you know, especially in years where you're lacking water, which we have been, is so key for overall plant health. Um, a lot of the new technology today from an equipment standpoint, you know, this year we did a lot of work with growers where on the field edges, right, we were spreading an extra 100 to 150 pounds of potassium around the edge of those fields to deal with heat stress, right? You got cars driving up and down, dust. I mean, believe it or not, you know, with all the gravel roads in Iowa, when that gets on the leaf tissue, leaf area of those cornfields, there's people that believe that it's really blocking overall photosynthesis, sunlight, things like that. So again, just the heat stress that it's it's creating with constantly be on the edge there. You know, this year more than ever, I've seen adding potassium along the end rows in order to create, you know, a little bit healthier of a plant cycle. The other thing too is just our potassium rates in general are through the roof. And I really think it's because we're in this motion of limited water stress and making sure that the corn that we're planting has plenty of potassium to draw from in order to get water into that plant. And you know, I think the other thing too is sulfur and, and what we're going to work on here at Landis is we're going to do some sulfur trialing. I don't know if anybody really knows what the limit is or what we should be shooting for or the law of diminishing return on sulfur. Um, we got a lot of guys putting 20 pounds of the acre of sulfur on. We got some guys putting 45 pounds of the, uh, to the acre of sulfur. So, you know, that's the biggest thing is we just, I don't know if we know where the limit is and, you know, what's the key to sulfur, Dan? What's it do for the plant? Um, sulfur is really key in using, utilizing nitrogen and protein synthesis. Yep. And protein uh, is everything because uh, ultimately that's going into the into the soybean seed or the kernel. Well, and, and you think about it too, you know, we're, we have a lot of people that are really focused on nitrogen use efficiency. You can't be efficient with your nitrogen unless you have, you have the conversation with sulfur as well, right? A absolutely, because what happens is that the yields aren't what we think. So we think, I'll put 50 pounds more nitrogen on and we've lost it all. But if we don't have the sulfur to work hand in hand in, in ratio, it's not going to help us at all. No, it's um, not. And I think that's what happened to the one individual that I saw. He had plenty of nitrogen on, but his sulfur levels were low, and that overall corn yield uh, was, was very low. It was in that about 150 uh, bushel level. So we're, we fixed that uh, for him. And I think it's, it's interesting because when we used to get 150, 200 bushels of corn, um, and we went with that 20, 30 pounds of, of sulfur for, for those times when, when we did that. It really did help. We're getting 250, 270, going up towards 300. We maybe need to double that. Yeah. Sulfur becomes almost a macronutrient. It's always been considered the secondary It's definitely nutrient. a macro now. It's a macro with, yeah. with the yields. And the, and the hybrids that we have today, all of the, the trialing that we did in, initially to determine nutrient use, was done with a whole generation ago of, of hybrids and yeah. soybean varieties. And they're newer, uh, better, and we, I think we have to re redo it. I mean, one of the things that we could do in our research is actually do some strip trialing with some of these new hybrids. We could do a whole session, guys, on the impact of genetics. And you, John, you know, that's yeah, the, I know that, that's my thing. And I, I've been very kind, I think. I. I'll show a couple photos of what silks look like and trying to get people to diversify. But the deep dive, the deep dive is an eight hour discussion. Yeah. And not everybody, uh, maybe Nate over here would be interested in that, but not everybody's interested right. in the eight hour discussion. Not everybody has time for that one, I guess. But 
You know, the biggest thing when I think about that too is back to your point on soybean varieties. Okay, we talk about all the time, how do we get 100 bushel beans? Or excuse me, 100 bushel, yeah, 100 bushel beans. And again, I, you know, Hula had 200 bushel beans. Yep. Um, you know, it's not for everybody, right? Because it's a high management scenario. But, you know, I think we continue to look at some of these things. And again, part of the acre edge strategy is to continue to find rateable change in yield through without having to really find uh, extra ways to touch that crop you know, extra ways to do something different in order to make that change. We're trying to implement it within the existing practice of most of our customers. Um, now, and again, not all that's for everybody either. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I think the biggest thing too, when you think about soybean yields, soybean hybrids, corn yields, corn hybrids, they're not the same that they were three years ago. They're not the same they were 10 years ago. They're not going to be the same in 10 years. You know, and I think the genetics have done a lot the last few two years with the heat stress we've seen throughout right. the Midwest. I mean, again, I look at our yields on the family farm in central Illinois where it basically didn't rain from Mother's Day to 4th of July. And to say what we ended up pulling off is is astonishing. Was you astonishing. thought you were done by the we, end of We July. thought we were done. I mean, if we, and if we didn't get a rain in around, you know, before 4th of July, we would have been done. But, you know, I mean, again, I think that's the resilience of these hybrids. But I think a lot of people also need to be looking at it from the different standpoint as – you know, they always say, well, they, they, you know, the genetics are, man, they just keep saving us. And they do. But I think what everybody continues to, to, to miss is what am I, what am I not doing to really take it to the next level? Like what, what is it with the genetics? Because, you know, it's going to come a point where 220 bushel corn is just not that cool. You know, or 250 bushel corn is not that cool. So like, you know, and it's not that we're that far away probably. Honestly, so what's it going to take us to take, go to 290, well, 315? I think, you know, one of the things that we've mentioned it, uh, a little bit, but specifically, uh, we've come with a pretty specific recommendation for a biostimulant yep. uh, crop lift. Um, and it also, it's a biostimulant, but it also uh, is included the amino complex. So yep. you've got, and, and some micronutrients, you've got a full, uh, full package there. And soybeans, B2. Yeah. B2 application post with a herbicide, corn V5. When you think about corn, V5, what's happening at V5? The actual ear. It's being determined. It's being determined, uh, rows around uh, and length. We don't want to stress it yeah. at that point. And it's interesting because when you think about last year, there was some stress going on uh, in different parts uh, of the corn belt at that stage. And I do think that individuals that paid attention to that, and I think that made a difference for you guys yeah, because absolutely. you were uh, paying attention to that. Uh, it's it's critical. That's the the first round. The second round, then, to use a product like CropLift is at uh, fungicide time yeah. at that VT stage, because right after VT, you go into that blister stage, and the number one stage in corn for potential abortion of those kernels is in the blister. Uh, they're very sensitive. Once you can get past there and get into dough, you know, then it's a matter of kernel size. But if you lose them early, that's a that's just yeah. A there's killer. no coming back from that. So we have two opportunities to come in, both at the time, especially with corn when when we're building that ear, and then to hold on to the kernels of that ear. Really, really critical. And then we will know how this year is going. We're going to know how much rain we get this spring. We're going to know sort of the the way the the year is developing and i mean the last four years we've known we've been in d2 d3 drought 
we've gone in with subsoil moisture that's deficient and it just has been what has been like uh, what you were talking about it just hasn't rained if we get into that environment uh, another benefit is how do you build better roots this is another way to make sure that our root system is going deep enough and trying to get to where that uh, water is and uh, crop lift will help do that yeah multiple multiple things that it does in the plant yeah i mean i think the biggest thing too is when you look at it from a stress mitigation standpoint it, it always comes back to me for the core core principles of what they continue to find what that does to the actual plant and that is eliminate salts increased potassium uptake in order to have potassium uptake what do you have to have water flow so when you get into stress environments you're getting potassium and water it's a helping improve that and that to me is why Again, scientifically, it's a great product, and it's it's proven to work. So, you know, for us, what I'm excited about for this summer is part of what we're doing with the manufacturing, we're going to start looking at a lot of different new type of small blends. So part of the plots that we're going to be doing both at Farnaville and other places is just looking at what are, we, what are the products that we think we can have notable change for next year. Crop lift, as we've talked a lot about, is basically our, I'm going to call it our, you know, it's our it's the bread. It's the bread and butter. It's, right. It's what it's what we built the brand on, and it's it's a proven product. What we're looking at, what I'm looking at now for next year is how do we start creating the next product? And I think a lot of what we're going to be looking at is really in that tassel time frame. You know, there's more things like that with copper as a natural biofungicide. There's more things that we can continue to look at to really push yields. I think some of too what we're going to continue to look at is raw ingredients. You know, we talk a lot about it when we look at the acre edge portfolio is the, the value of being a base manufacturer for your own products is, is you can control the raw ingredients that you're putting in them. And, you know, when we look at, you know, we're using chelated micronutrients right now, you know, is there something better we can be looking at? We've already upgraded to potassium acetate, right? And that's, that's the best form of potassium we can spray foliar. So it's looking at all these things. And I think what continues to drive our passion here around the brand is having that control, um, whether it's with, Again, adjuvants, micronutrients, whatever it may be, we truly own the control of, of what's best for the farmer, um, not truly what is a broad acre fit profitability standpoint. You know, it's, it's really what's best in mind for the farmer. Well, you know, all of the individuals that have been uh, the leaders in breaking these different yield barriers, as we've seen that occur over the last you know, two, three decades, they were continuously looking for process improvement in their system. Uh, looking at what their fertility level was, looking at tissue samples and what those tissue samples were showing during the growing season for both corn and beans, and then making adjustments uh, based off of that uh, on the fertility side. They also really looked at their biology. Right. The biology, the biology that, they, that, that they were creating there, because when you think about it, we've been farming these fields around Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota for what, the last 100, 150 years. And the biology that we had initially before we started taking the first plows out and to, to what we have today has changed. And I think that we're finding the responses that we're finding with some of the biological products that we're using is because we're getting back to the way it was before. And using applied research to do that, I mean, John, my first, my first year at Landis, there were so many companies coming right. at us. Man, oh man. So the, 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 the key was... Let's take them, let's go to Farnhamville and other places, let's find those that work, and then let's refine our process. And now we're to the point where we've got Boone to be able to do that. It's, 
a pretty exciting time to be here. It really is. And, you know, when you look at it, too, I mean, the markets have not been friendly for the farmer, right? I mean, this whole week has been ugly red on the on the board. Um, you know, the first thing that people are going to think about is, you know, how do we continue to cut expenses at the farm level because we're we're marginalizing margins? And, you know, for us having the control that we're in, we can help with that a little bit, too, is, you know, we can custom tailor a lot of these programs in order to be right. cognizant of what they need to do from an overall budget standpoint. The other thing, too, is, again, I'm going to continue to be grounded in what our, our basic blocking and tackling is. Our job is to provide services and products that help them become more profitable, grow as many bushels as possible. You know, a lot of that's going to come on the back of the chemical side, too. We're right. going to have to find ways. Again, Megan Anderson talked about it a lot. And the thing that, again, grounds me and really makes me excited about what we're doing with some of our, whether it's Boone, whether it's Rake, whether it's a lot of the places that we continue to upgrade our overall liquid hot load facilities is, you know, that's a place where I think long-term we're going to be able to create a lot of really good synergies on the farmer side from a cost savings standpoint, as well as, you know, even where we're hot loading chemicals. Why do we need to continue to use a lot of premixes when we can take base grade materials, blend them together? with all the functionality we have at those facilities in order to increase the rate of acetochlor to fight water hemp resistance or whatever it may be. But, you know, those are things that I think we're going to continue to really push the envelope on to make sure that we are being cognizant of what the farmer needs. And that's the exciting thing about what we're doing right now. And if you're in central Iowa and, you know, you haven't been dealing with us before, but you're interested in what we're doing, make sure you give us a call at 515-800-GROW. Call your local location, talk to your account rep, you know, there's, there's just a lot of good things we got going on here right now. And every year I continue to look at the business and wonder what's next. And every year I find something that's next or find something we can do better or find a tweak. And I think we're going to continue that trend. And it's, it's a lot of fun. So as always, Dan, it's good to have you. Appreciate your insights and look forward to you next month on the podcast. And uh, maybe we're going to break out of Des Moines here and, and go somewhere else next month to show off some of the new equipment we got. It's always great to be uh, on the podcast and to discuss agronomy. Just continues to change and uh, uh, love the fact that we get to be innovative. Yeah, no, it's it's been a lot of fun and a lot more to come. So yep. awesome, man. Appreciate you.